This episode of Imagineer Podcast is sponsored by WDW Magazine. If you're missing Walt Disney World right now like I am, it's hard to believe I haven't even been to the parks in over six months, WDW Magazine will definitely hit the spot. They are the premier magazine focused on Walt Disney World, available in print or digital. The digital edition gives you instant access to over 80 issues of WDW Magazine, each one containing over 100 pages plus embedded video content. And the print edition contains over 64 glossy pages of pure content mailed right to your mailbox every month with no interior ads. The quality of this magazine, both in terms of visual appeal and written content, is the best in the business and will leave you with hours of magical entertainment. If you can't tell already, I personally subscribe to both the digital and print editions and I am in love with their work. In fact, I was just personally reading a 10-page article all about the Society of Adventure and Explorers, which was in their August issue, and I learned so much, including the fact that there's an Easter egg to the society in the United Kingdom Pavilion at Epcot. I had no idea. Best of all, WDW Magazine is giving Imagineer podcast listeners 10% off a new annual subscription to their digital edition, which I learned will stay with you if you decide to auto-renew. To enroll today and get instant access to over 80 digital issues, simply visit www-magazine.com slash Imagineer Podcast, and by the way, that's a hyphen between the words WDW and Magazine, and use the promo code Imagineer. Even simpler, just look for the hyperlink in the description of this podcast episode, which will take you right to the signup page. Again, type into your browser www-magazine.com slash Imagineer Podcast and use code Imagineer to take 10% off an annual digital subscription. Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 84 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, we are really going to have a lot of fun. This has been a topic that has been on my list for, I think, two years at this point, and that is to discuss our favorite illusions from Walt Disney Imagineering. As many of you know, when you go to the Disney parks and resorts, one of the things that makes the what we call Disney difference is all of those special and practical effects that Disney puts in place to make you feel transported to an entire different world and we're going to talk about things like the pepper's ghost effect on the haunted mansion and other attractions for that matter some of the special effects for star wars rise of the resistance uh, some of our favorite moments from things like flight of passage over in disney's animal kingdom and so much more there really is so much to discuss that this is going to be a two-part episode. We ran almost two hours with our discussion, and that was even cutting it a little bit short because we could have gone on for probably hours and hours. Uh, so we're making this a two-part series, and this episode in particular 
is going to be part one of our discussion. At the end of the episode, we'll come back and I'll tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with Imagineer Podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer Podcast. So one of the topics I've had on my list for, I think, close to a year now, it goes back quite a bit, is focused on Imagineering because this is the Imagineer podcast. And I love how amazing some illusions are within Disney parks and resorts. And so that is our topic of discussion today is our favorites illusions out of Walt Disney Imagineering. And to do it, I wanted to bring on a few guests who are just as geeky about Walt Disney Imagineering and all these illusions as I am, if not even more. And so I want to first welcome back onto the show, James and Philander, who've been on the show before. So welcome back, guys. Hello. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for having me back. Such a pleasure. I knew that you two were going to be, you know, you and I talk about this stuff all the time, especially when uh, I know when Rise of the Resistance opened, we we geeked out about some of the new illusions that we saw, and um, so I have a feeling that uh, that attraction will come up with it from at least one of us, if not all of us. But uh, it's going to be a fun discussion. And then I also wanted to bring onto the show someone else who I think could lend quite a lot of great ideas to this discussion, and that is Randy, who many of you have heard. Lizzie in Adventureland on the show before. That's her husband, Randy. So welcome to the show, Randy. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm so glad you decided to, uh, or agreed to be on the show. And because you're new to the show, I, it's only fair, I have to ask you your favorites at the parks and the movies. And so we're going to just kick it off. I want to know, well, first of all, I should probably ask, which of the Disney parks have you been to? Or if it's easier, which of the Disney parks have you not been to, if any? So I've been to all of the domestic parks and then the two parks in Tokyo. Uh, I've not yet made my way to Shanghai, Hong Kong, or Paris, but uh, th- those were on the list, but the current sort of travel situation has uh, taken those off temporarily. <laughs> that I totally understand. We are hoping to go to Tokyo next, and that's definitely on our list. I think we were planning to do it sooner, and of course, and we're kind of in the same boat. But uh, I've been to Disneyland Paris. It is definitely a uh, a beautiful park to go to. I just I love Paris in general. It's a, it's a great city. Um, so since you've been to those, I guess you know two two resorts in the U.S. and the the Tokyo Disney Resort. Of all the parks you've been to, which Disney park is your favorite? So Tokyo Disney Sea definitely takes number one in my book. Uh, I, I like to tell people, you know what, take your favorite, you know, your Cars Land, your Fantasy Land from Disneyland, all of your favorite pieces of the domestic parks, and then imagine every land being plus one and then shoved all in the same park, and that's Tokyo Disney Sea. Amazing. Yeah, I think a lot of fans who go there and have gone to even all the Disney parks usually say, that ends up being their favorite, if not somewhere on the top of their list. Um, but that's a great choice. 
Um, how about your favorite Disney attraction? Well, I'm, I'm a big fan, and this is one's relevant for today, of the Haunted Mansion. That's definitely my old school favorite. Um, you know, just all of the gags, all of the, the storyline. It's an incredible classic that I want to go on every single time I'm at Disneyland. Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely a classic. It's, it, it, it ages very gracefully. I mean, it's, it's one of those attractions you could ride again and again, and it just, it's one of the most, you know, masterfully created uh, attractions at Disney, period. Um, so I think it's a solid answer. Uh, moving into the movie space, do you have a favorite Disney movie? I feel like oddly enough, the Disney movie I've watched the most is The Little Mermaid because of my younger sisters, but I don't think that's my favorite. Um, I, I would have to say that the first two Toy Story movies are probably the ones that keep sticking with me. Uh, I mean, just such classic tropes like the freaking aliens with the claw, uh, <laughs> Buzz Lightyear just being Buzz. It's, it's such a classic piece of, uh, of movie history. Yeah, a great, a great choices. Um, I mean, Toy Story, I think, was... I used to say that was my favorite Pixar film. It's kind of shifted to Ratatouille uh, as the, as time oh. goes on. I, I tend to gravitate towards Ratatouille, and I don't know why. I think it's I think it's just something about the the charm of the film and the message behind it. I love Remy. I, I mean, it just uh, and and food. I think that might have something to do with it too. Every time I watch that movie, I'm hungry. Um, <laughs> kind of want whatever they're whatever they're cooking up in that movie. Um, and the last question I have for you is your favorite Disney character. You know, there's a lot of characters that are, are great out there. I think for their whimsical nature, I really like Bing Bong and Heimlich, but, and Philander knows this, my, my favorite character, and I have to meet him every time I go to the park, is Mickey Mouse. You got to have the head cheese. Yeah. Mickey's my favorite too. I, I sometimes get asked the question, you know, you have to, like, who's your favorite Disney character, but you can't say Mickey. And it's always hard to decide because Mickey's, Mickey's really my favorite too. He's uh, the icon. Uh, so that's a uh, great choices. So great answers. Glad to have you on the show. And like I said, this, we haven't done a roundtable discussion in quite a while. I feel like this year we've been doing uh, quite a few interviews and we've done this or that episodes. We haven't done too many roundtable discussions. So I'm glad that we're throwing another one into the mix here. And it's a topic that I think is one I'm really excited not only to talk about my favorites, but to hear what you all have to offer on your lists too. And uh, like any roundtable discussion, I, I always say we don't share our answers ahead of time. So I am anxiously awaiting your your thoughts here. We'll go one by one. I'll start with, uh, we'll go with the youngest first. James, why don't you lead us <laughs> off on the first one in your list? All right. My first one is the living with the land, the sunrise on that when you're passing the farmhouse. I know That's it's not so much. interesting. But <laughs> yeah. it's really, it looks really real, especially if you just kind of like with the setting and everything. And it has those little light rays peeking out behind the scarecrow. Um, yeah, it's not much, but I really like it. That's funny. I actually wouldn't have even thought of that. Obviously, I've shared before that Living with the Land is probably my favorite attraction at Epcot. It's mm -hmm. definitely the most uh, Epcot-ish attraction. But now yeah. you're having me go back and look. I'm, I'm literally looking <laughs> at a video as we speak of that, of that sun, uh, sunset. Is it sunrise or sunset? Either. Either works. <laughs> I guess it depends on which way it's facing. There might be like yeah. a compass up somewhere that, that points it out. But Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, you're right. It's uh, it looks like it's a, it's just a bunch of 
like lighting effects and then yeah. the way that they painted the mural in the background. Mm -hmm. But and it just matches perfectly. So I rode that like five times in a row when I went last because it was the only uh, ride without a weight. And every time it was just like, I love passing that. <laughs> Great choice. I, I mean, I'm glad you threw living in the land with uh, as one of the choices because I didn't think that was going to come up at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> thinking maybe the rain and the thunder and lightning effects in the beginning, but that's that's a great answer. Thank you. Um, let's see. Let's go to Randy next. I'm just going to shake things up. Sure. Uh, all right. Well, I'll start off. I mean, subtle and one that everyone's seen, but uh, I I absolutely love the uh, head the statues that stare at you in the haunted mansion queue. Yeah, um, you know, and, and I, I like the Disneyland version of it best, but you know, just a total classic, um, you know, it's simple, it's subtle. If you weren't looking for it, it, you might just as well walk by it. Um, and, and you know, it's been there for, for 50, 50 years, just doing its thing. I love the fact that at Disneyland, like you said, it's in the queue. You walk past it. And then at Walt Disney world, you ride past it. I was as someone who grew up on the East Coast, so we always went to the Magic Kingdom um, when I was growing up. I didn't go to Disneyland until I was 11 or 12 years old. So I'd always remembered that scene iconically, of course, and, and it just was very vivid in my memory. And then we went to Disneyland and we saw all the differences. And I remember walking past it and thinking, well, this is really cool because I can actually spend a little bit more time and, and walk back and forth if I want to. It's hard when you have people behind you, but it's you, know, you could spend a little bit more time kind of admiring that special effect and it's uh definitely a classic one was it fun you can see a lot of kids or people with the if the queue stops and they're kind of like moving their head around a lot like you know uh, trying to make the head move quickly with them to see how it works uh which is fun like that kind of bonus that you get from getting to stand in front of it as opposed to the omni mover kind of pushing you past yeah very true i can imagine i haven't seen i haven't done it enough times i think to uh kind of see the guest reaction and every time i go to disneyland i'm just trying to squeeze in as much as i can because i only get out there once every couple of years but uh i could see especially if you go a lot you sort of notice the the common guests reactions to to uh all these special effects around the park so great great way to start us off for andy uh philander what is the first on your list i'm gonna go with a new one um a uh, more recent one uh, to drop it already if you had mentioned it earlier, but uh, within Rise of Resistance, the, the revolving room that takes you to the uh, Star Destroyer mm. is uh, a huge one for me because uh, that's a great one that the illusion supports the story uh, moving forward like in a narrative, taking you from one space to another and doing it so seamlessly that largely guests are constantly asking about a lot of people assume that they're going down i think for some reason that's always a a trend with people when they figure when they're trying to figure out how something works is they think they're going up or down and no one imagines that oh we're having to be turning sideways to have that illusion happen and then with the ship uh kind of shifting back and forth um and then you exiting out a separate door that you entered in because you also i've also seen from the times going on it that everyone faces the door that they w went in when it stops like they're just expecting that door to be open like and it's such a great illusion that it blows people away along with obviously the the hangar with all the stormtroopers so it, it's such a masterful trick very simple that it just spins but it's just done so well um and pushes the story forward as well and transfer you to a whole different place and you didn't even really move that much 
Yeah, I, I mean, that it was def, that was on my list. That was one of the things I had on my, <laughs> my primary list right there. And I totally agree with you. It, I was someone who I know some people don't, or a lot of people don't like to look at videos before they experience an interaction. For me, I don't want to miss anything. So I tend to look ahead of time. And because I get motion sick pretty easily on more intense attractions, it's also sort of my gut check to see if it's something I can handle or not. But I remember watching Rise of the Resistance on on video and then seeing like, oh, this is this is amazing. And then the reactions of guests around you not knowing you're right, Flander, they all expect. And it's kind of just common when you walk into a set of pre-show doors mm-hmm. and there's another set of pre-show doors across from you, it makes sense you're going to exit on the other side. And most people gravitate towards that door thinking like it's rock and roller coaster. As soon as the door is open, they're going to run in and be the first ones on. And then it turns out you're going to be the last off because you're going <laughs> to exit the same door as you came in. Uh, and it does, it really does sort of solidify the illusion that you have been transported somewhere else to walk into a set of doors and be one place and walk out to the same set of doors and be someplace totally different and foreign. Um, again, it's to your point, so simple, but it, <laughs> it's, uh, it adds so much to the story and it fools everybody who doesn't expect it. Yeah. I, I love also that the the facade of the ship is also within the starter destroyer. So most people don't happen, don't turn around anymore. I've noticed mm-hmm. doing it there and I don't blame them. Obviously the hangar and the stormtrooper is, is such a draw to the eye. So looking backwards and seeing that the ship is also in the hangar as well uh, is such a great touch because hardly anyone looks backward. They're all taking pictures of stormtroopers or they're like, Oh my gosh. And they move along to the next, you know, next thing to do along the path of the attraction. But having the ship within the facade or within the, uh, in the hangar at the same time is, is fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't notice that until my second ride. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, look what showed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Smart that, detail. But yeah, no, the, uh, that turntable is on my list as well. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, illusions and magic generally is about setting an expectation and then somehow defying it in a surprising way. Um, and it, you know, it really is not that amazingly complicated compared to, I'm sure some of the other stuff we'll talk about, but it is so powerful. The first time I was on it, Lieutenant showed up like right behind me and I was like, Oh dude, what's going on? Ah, <laughs> so it was so good. <laughs> yeah. And it makes you feel like you've actually moved to new place. It's not just, you know, walking straight. You're actually on the Star Destroyer. I think it sells it that much more. Yeah. And not to, I feel like, feel like we could talk about this one effect for for like an hour but (laughs) uh the other thing i I like about it is it's also built into the uh sort of operational efficiency of the attraction because you can load well uh, you know and and without social distancing you could load 30 people or so into the into the shuttle and then within a minute or a minute and a half you've got another group of people piling into a new shuttle and still you have that whole sequence last about two minutes um, but it keeps, it's almost like carousel of progress and efficiency. You have six theaters and you're constantly moving people. Um, they're stationary seated in the theater, but you know, you're constantly loading and unloading and it's still a 20 minute show. So it's a similar concept of keeping it very efficient, um, keeping people moving, but having the, the, the transport be a part of the whole experience. It's just brilliant. So 
solid choice. I uh, I'm gonna I have a I think a few with Rise of the Resistance, but I'm gonna jump to another attraction just to uh, to keep things interesting. And the one thing that is not easily conveyed in video, some of the effects that we ta- I'm sure we're gonna talk about today, you can you can break it down in a video. You can sort of uh, even if it's not the same as being there in person, get a feeling for how it how it feels and how it looks in person. But the one thing that actually blew me away, and again, it's very simple, was Flight of Passage in general is a breathtaking experience. When it when it first came out, it was the sort of the new standard for thrill rides. It became this, uh, you know, look this amazing accomplishment from the Walt Disney Imagineers of creating a almost like a Soarin' ten point But the one thing that kind of blew me away. And I, I again, I, I sort of looked up some videos ahead of time. I got a feeling, I read some reviews, I had an understanding of what what the attraction was going to be like. And then I knew it was going to push me to the brink of my emotion sickness tolerance, which it did. I was right at the cusp of just making it worth doing without, uh, if, it was, if it was more intense than that, I don't think I'd be able to do it repeat times. But the one thing that I love about that is very specific. It's in the middle of the ride. And, you know, the, 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 Ekron is is trying to escape from the uh, Leonopteryx that's chasing after you, and you hide out in this cave and you pause, and not so much the pause, but what happens after the pause is, first of all, in that cave itself, you have this incredible smell, which is probably my favorite smell in Walt Disney World, and <laughs> you have the Banshee breathing. You can feel, you know, the Banshee breathing, which you can feel it before then too. Um, you know, up against your legs, and the ride, although you're stationary, the vehicles move, which isn't totally stationary um, because of. of living animal is not going to be perfectly still even while it's it's standing in place but then the way that the ekron actually lifts off that one special effect is incredibly convincing and they must have spent a long time trying to figure out the exact sequence for the theater and for the individual vehicles to get it just right because it does feel like the Ekron is in place, kind of sitting there. And then in order to get the momentum, because it's got this avatar on its back, it has to sort of like hunch down a little bit and push itself off of the the ledge. Um, and it's a little wobbly and it kind of tilts you forward in a little bit. And for some reason, that one moment is the moment that defies realism the most for me. It's the moment where I actually feel like as much as I try to concentrate and think about myself on a, you know, an engineering <laughs> marvel, I feel like I'm on the back of this living, breathing animal and it totally defies my imagination. It's just amazing. So for me, again, like I feel like there's a lot of things with Flight of Passage, but that's the one sort of defining moment for me that makes it really realistic. That's one of my favorite parts of that attraction uh, to free, to, for them to create a thrill ride, but then in the middle of it to like take a break where we're just going to sit here and just enjoy the moment. Like I mm. love the pause that comes in that. And then you obviously you start up, like you said again, and I didn't realize the thing that you had mentioned until my, I think my second or third time writing it. Uh, Cause the first time it's just, it's almost too much at, yeah. at, <laughs> in at one time. Uh, and then afterwards, cause I try to make it a point to not be too much um, 
looking around because you know you look to the left or right it, you, you can see how it works and I try to like turn that part of my brain off but it took me a while to figure out or to really see the thing that you mentioned where they have to not make it soar or glide like soaring but this thing you're riding on has wings and it flaps and it has to do specific things to turn its body and, it, and to move and when I think about oh they could have technically just had us glide through it like soaring but they had to account for the, like the the makeup of the body of the animal and what it takes to fly. Like that's, it's just so great. Like you said, takes it up to the next level. Mm-hmm. And that's the Disney difference. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. If it was, they could have just easily made it soaring and, and kind of caps it off there. But uh, awesome. Well, let's go. So amazing round one. Let's Ooh. move into our, uh, our, our next ones on our list. I will, uh, might switch it up in a round or two, but for this one, I'm going to go back to James first. Okay. Um, I have another simple effect, but it adds a ton. It is on Rise. It is in the AT-AT room. In the very back of the room, there's actually a mirror that goes down the length of the wall, and it makes it look like there's another room full of AT-ATs. And I think that it's you can barely like notice it, but it adds so much even when you don't notice it. It just makes the room feel that much more massive. Totally agree with you. The thing that actually def- that makes it even more amazing for me is when you, if you're in the, I guess it depends on which which uh, prisoner transport you load into, but essentially the one that uh, you're gonna go up to the second floor in front of uh, one of the adats that mm. uh, you're pretty much across from the mirror. So it would seem like you should be looking at your reflection at that point, but they have it offset in just such a way that you can't see yourself across the way. And instead it continues the illusion and it has to, again, account for the fact that it's a, it's a mirror that's in one particular spot, but these vehicles are going to be moving at different points around the room. And at no point can you see your reflection or else it's going to totally destroy that illusion. And they really took, that point of view into account and i and i've tried and you you cannot see your reflection in that mirror it it totally just looks like it's another room you can see i like right when you enter the room if you look at the mirror you can see the um group in front of you heading up the lift Ooh, interesting yeah that's actually i have to look for that next time i've been trying to find there's not many the the sort of shortcomings of the attraction in that way because it does have to operate so many people that mm-hmm. you would think that you're going to see more than just you and the other transport that you're with. Right. Um, and there's been a few cases. There's only one other case that I've seen that I'll have to check that out next time. I'm either looking at a video or hopefully in person. See when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that until, uh, watching it on a video. My all, all the times I've written on, I had never noticed that until, uh, watching a YouTube video of it. Then I was like, Oh, I, someone just happened to have the camera pointing in that direction. Mm. Yeah. You'll have to send it to me. I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, I like that general concept too. It I feel like there's some things like I'm sure we'll get to the Pepper's Ghost solution eventually, but you know, Disney's greatest hits where they also have a mirror in Radiator Springs Racers when you go into the cavern. You know, you, mm-hmm. there's mirrors up up top that sort of make the cavern look huge and cavernous uh, earlier in Rise, you know, where Ray shows up. It's the same thing to make it feel like it's a much bigger chamber. Uh, so I feel like that's one of those things where like WDI uses that same illusion across many different attractions, yeah. uh, to, you know, get like that great cavernous feel in, you know, Disneyland postage stamp type square footages. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, they use it a couple other places um, on Rise, like in the disco room is the other one, I think. Yes. Just on, yeah. Yeah. Great answer. I, I love, I love, like I said, I feel like there's going to be quite a few from, from Rise of the Resistance. And so we've already got a two out of five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on, or two out of four that are on the list. Uh, Randy, let's go to you next. What do you have next up? Well, I'm going to go way out, way out back to a rarely visited attraction at Disneyland uh, to uh, Roger Rabbit cartoon spin. Ooh. Ooh, nice. <laughs> and one of the best effects ever, and actually, Philander, you and I talked with the, the guy who designed this a few months mm. back, um, but it's the portable hole at the end of the attraction where, you know, Roger Rabbit's holding a black circle and all of a sudden he holds it up to the wall and you go through the wall and your mind is just <laughs> shattered the first time you see it. <laughs> yeah i actually have admittedly never been on the attraction i think part of the reason i i never was i never did in the past because i cannot do spinning like if if and so the name itself sort of just uh, completely scared me away from doing it um like if you spin me in my office chair once i'll have to recover for like two minutes like i really cannot do spinning (laughs) so um so uh so I, I haven't spent too much time even, um, I've never done the attraction, but I also haven't seen too many videos, but that is something I'm going to have to actually look into because that sounds really amazing. Yeah. I feel you on the motion sickness. I'm the guy who, you know, I think, I think it's one of the most charming dark rides in the park actually. Mm-hmm. And because it's out back, it's in Toontown, which is the kitty area. I don't feel like most guests give it the respect that it deserves, but yeah, uh, trust me, I'm holding on to the wheel to try to keep my thing as straight as possible because I can't do too, too much of the spinning, but it's got a lot of really incredible effects and content. Like the falling room is one of my favorite things. But, oh, I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to power through it next time. I'll take uh, a boning or something and just uh, ride it out and see how I do. <laughs> you don't have to spin though, right? You can just it's not stationary. use the um, spin yeah, disc thing. If you hold onto the wheel really hard, you can remain relatively straight. There's a few times where it tries to spin you, but... It, I think you could get through it, Matt. Yeah, that's good to know. And I didn't know that in the beginning, um, even with videos, because I think people even in videos will spin it themselves. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was like, oh, no, I can't do this. But uh, yeah, it could be an attraction and a workout. Just hold on to the wheel as hard as you can throughout the attraction to keep it stationary. <laughs> um, awesome, though. Philander, what's next on your list? Uh, next for me uh, is a great one. The, uh, the climax of Indiana Jones Adventure with the boulder. Uh, that is a great, great special effect. Um, and it's so easy for people to just naturally assume that the car itself is backing up to get away from the boulder. But in actuality, it's a very similar to, I think it was Tony Baxter described it as he came up with the idea in a car wash, watching it work, uh, to where the walls are moving, um, as opposed to the car moving. And it, it's, it's incredibly convincing. Uh, and it makes it seem like the car is backing up only to, rev forward very quickly to get out of the way of the boulder. Um, and it's able to reset fast enough from the previous car that you don't notice it. And the darkened room obviously helps every once in a while from going on it. Many times the car will turn the corner and I can see the wall reset itself to get back in position, but that's so rare, but it's such a great effect. And everyone that I mentioned that to afterwards is blown away because they're so much of their focus is on the ball itself coming that the, the movement of the walls, really feels like it 
the car itself is actually backing up. And I think if you were actually to give yourself time to look at the wall as opposed to the boulder, which no one does, you could you could kind of see through the illusion, kind of like what Randy was saying. But it, it, it's it's so well done because like all good magicians, your eyes are focused on something specific so you don't see the actual trick that's going on around you. I, I had this one on my list too, Philander, you're two for two for uh, taking, <laughs> for taking some of mine. Um, but I, I, I expected this one to be on, on a few lists, but uh, yeah, I remember doing this for the first time and I was just convinced that I was going backwards. And I thought I actually didn't think otherwise. I'm like, yeah, that's actually, I don't know how they did that, but that's pretty cool. You kind of have the ride move backwards for a little bit and then go forward again. And I thought conceivably it's possible. So that's probably what they do. And then I learned about the effect and I, I did make it a point. Um, I sat at the edge, like at the very end of the row and I looked down at the floor and I watched the, the wall move against the vehicle. And I saw how we were not moving at all. Just sort of, you know, obviously the top of the vehicle is making it seem like you're moving backwards with the right sequence, but uh, you can see the bottom of the vehicle where that actually moves front and back is uh, completely stationary. So that that blew my mind. I, I agree. It should it it had to be on the list. <laughs> Someone had yeah. to say it. So <clears throat> awesome. Um, well, for me, I'm I'm thinking about my lists and which order I'm going to go in. Uh, you know what? I am going to go to another classic. Um, I went with a new attraction first. Now I'm going to kind of backstep to uh, one of the uh, original Disneyland attractions. And that is Peter Pan's flight flying over London. Um, I don't necessarily think it's convincing. I feel like you can, if you really concentrate, see that the floor is maybe six feet below you. But I, regardless, I love that effect because you can... It's sort of the uh, same idea with Flight of Passage. If you really want to get out of the illusion, you just look to your left or your right, and you can totally destroy the illusion for yourself. But if you decide to buy into it and to immerse yourself into it, you can be convinced. And I feel like it's the same. It, Peter Pan's Flight is a similar idea, but just way, way back in the day um, with more practical effects. But, uh, you know, just looking... I always love just looking down at London and seeing... Big Ben and going past the clouds and seeing the little streetcars moving. And it's, it's, I almost want to spend more time in that room just to observe it all because you're only in there for not even 30 seconds. And they put so much detail into that room and essentially a, a scale model in some way of London um, or that section of London. So I, I had to, I had to have that on there. It's just one of the most classic um, illusions in my book. It's nice. It's elegant in its simplicity. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I know we had a little pre-conversation via text message where, you know, I got real deep into the illusions versus magic conversation. Right. And it proves that, you know, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be the biggest piece of hardware doing the most ridiculous robotic uh, type of thing. But, you know, there's a lot of magic that you can unlock with just really simple sort of presentation of basically a painted floor. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, again, just a, a classic one I had to throw on my list. So anyway, let's, let's throw things for a loop the second round. I'm going to start with, uh, start with Randy this time. What do you have next on your list? Uh, I, I'm going to jump into a different area. I actually 
started making a list of Mickey appearances and disappearances from various shows. Ooh. Um, so, Ooh. you know, not attractions, but live shows. And to me, there, there's a bunch of them. I mean, but the most compelling is in Mickey and the Magical Map, which is at the Disneyland Resort. Um, there's one moment where Mickey is sort of, this, the stage is a large screen that's like three stories tall and it has tears in it. And so Mickey is sort of, a cartoon Mickey is on the screen, sort of walking around, going up, going down. And at one point he goes down and comes back up and the entire audience is surprised when then he jumps off and he's on the tier. So they sort of substitute the animated Mickey that's moving around the backdrop for a, a, a character, a costumed character Mickey. Um, and I just think it's one of those things, it happens in broad daylight. There's no misdirection. Nothing else is going on. You know, this is a show that happens at 3 p.m. in Southern California. Um, and it's just so well crafted that you're just like, oh my God, like Mickey's actually there now. It's not just an animated one running around the screen. That actually made me think of another one that I should have added to my list. And I still can. I sometimes sneak some in during episodes. So I'm just like, you know what? That's a good one. I'm going to bounce off of that with something else. But um, this is another one. I'm glad you're bringing these up, Randy, because this is another one of those shows that uh, are one of those attractions I haven't done. And this is a case of pure time crunch. Because again, when I go to Disneyland, it's usually once every two years. And I usually go for just a day, day and a half. And so... I can't always get to those uh, attractions, but this is just making me realize even more that I need to devote a three or four day Disneyland trip on my next vacation just to do a lot of the attractions and see a lot of the details I normally wouldn't um, and to do a VIP, VIP tours philander like I talked about earlier in <laughs> episode 75. I forgot the number, um, but uh, <laughs> you did make that happen as well. But that's a great, great answer. I love whenever they have Mickey appear and disappear. In, uh, or any sort of illusion like that. Yeah, I'll have to send you uh, the blog post we wrote about the day that we saw all of the shows and did all the attractions in a single day. It is oh, actually wow. possible. Wow. So <laughs> you don't need to stretch your vacation out for that one. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah, I, the last time I went, it was 8 in the morning. We showed up, and oh, no, I'm sorry, we showed up at uh, 7 in the morning for an 8 a.m. open, and we did stay until midnight. We spent pretty much like the full... Six oh my gosh yeah, it, was, it was a long day and we did not leave we were we were in the parks uh going back and forth between disneyland and california adventure whatever we could take the most advantage of with max pass while we were there but it was the holiday season so it was not the quietest time of the year so we did have to sacrifice a few of the attractions so um but fantastic let's go to philander next uh one i'm gonna go with uh is Flight of Passage again. And I had mentioned this, we had talked uh, briefly about this <clears throat> on, uh, I think it was on Instagram, Matt, the uh, the very subtle reveal when you actually are biked up and you're ready to start and the wall in front of you lifts up. Um, oh, I am a yeah. huge fan of Imagineering sending guests into a room where you don't know where you're going to go next, like a closed off room. Because then your mind is like, okay, well, what's the next thing? Because I don't see another way out. And I know based off of even just, you know, uh, I know that this attraction is going to be a flight simulator that involves a screen. So I'm sitting on this bike like, well, okay, well, where is the screen supposed to be at? And the way the room darkens and then it lifts up with like the kind of like fog or smoke effect. And then all of a sudden now you're flying. I, I adore that because they could have very easily had you uh, as much as I love Soren walking in and seeing the huge blue screen, like I get it, like that could not really be hidden that way. But they could have very easily done the same type of thing with um, 
flight of passage. And I feel like we would have still loved the attraction, but them's taking it up a notch by having it hidden from you to really like take away the aspect of this is going to be a screen in front of you. Cause we all know it's that, but the way that they hide it and put it in front of you at the moment it needs to be there, as opposed to you seeing it and waiting for it on Soren is such a great, uh, that blew me away the first time. That was like the thing that I took out of it the most. It's like, I, and then it, the way it comes down in front of you two at the end. So good. Yeah. That's yeah. The first time. Class. Oh yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, James. Oh, um, the first time I wrote it, I had no idea. And I didn't know anything about the attraction. And so, yeah, that just blew me away because I mean, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, the, again, Philander, you're right. It's not something they had to do, but it is those little, those little details. By the way, this was on my backup list. So I'm still going to say you're four for four. Um, <laughs> um, in case someone happened to say the case, that my, that one little detail about flight of passage that I said, I was going to do the, uh, the linking to your avatar <laughs> scene, but yeah, for those who've seen the movie, it, you know, that when you link to an avatar, you're pretty much like your mind is being connected. And there's probably, I imagine it's similar to falling asleep in some way. And uh, but maybe feels a little different. And uh, so how do you do that in a physical space like this? And it's not easy to do, of course, and it's not really possible to do it exactly the same way. But I feel like just having that grand reveal of you're in a link chamber and then you're in the Valley of Moara up on a tree is uh, a great transformation um, or transition, I should say, into the avatar, you know, being in your, in your avatar. And what I also love about it is just to kind of harp on that one transition is the, the sounds and you're right. They add sort they add this, the, the lighting effects and the smoke and mist, but the transition also happens where as soon as, and I've noticed this now being on a few times, like as soon as you emerge on the other side and now you're in, you know, linked to your avatar, that's the exact moment where one, the, the vehicles start acting differently because mm-hmm. up until then there is sort of like, there's a little bounce and it, it moves and you get this feeling of kinetic energy. But then all of a sudden that's when like that moment hits and they start experimenting with the movement of the individual vehicles and making it feel like, Oh wait, now I'm, I'm not in a chair. Now I'm on the back of something. And they also, that's when they start kicking in the breathing for the Banshee. Um, and the smells and hearing the sounds and there's even just, even the sounds themselves, the link chamber sounds very closed and, um, like it is just you and and eight other people in a room, but I guess partially because now they're changing the speaker system to be the whole theater, the sound gets amplified and you feel just your whole body is kind of suddenly transform transitioned into this avatar world. Um, and that whole transition is just brilliant. That's yeah, one of the ones where I, I, anytime I do anything new, especially e-ticket that's done by WDI is to consciously try to remember my first reactions about not knowing the next thing that's going to happen. Uh, because you just never get that back again, that feeling of, I know how this works now, or I have, I've seen it like you just, uh, like I imagine the people that first walked into Haunted Mansion, you know, back in 69, you know, you, you go into this room and you're like, well, what's the next thing? You know, like you, you never get that feeling back again of being surprised by it. So I try to make sure 
I remember like vividly those moments because I remember that when that happened, I really had no idea where we were going to go next. Like I knew you had to sit on a bike, you know, to do it. But at that point I was like, well, where's the screen going to be? Like, it was so good. Absolutely brilliant. Great answer. Again, I, I have to say it's a great answer because it's on my list too. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> James, what do you have up next? Okay, next is um, on Mission Breakout when Groot hits the baby Groot, hits the gravity button. I love that moment. And <laughs> I actually didn't see that version of the ride for a while because of all the different options. I just never got on that specific version. And I was just like, oh, dang it, they should have done something with gravity because that would have been fit so perfectly. And then it happened. And I was like, oh, they listened to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that so much. That's another one I can't do. So <laughs> I haven't done it. No, no, it's not your fault. Um, but I, I always, there are certain uh, illusions or uh, experiences that I, I kind of know from the way it's described. Um, so in, in sort of my, the theory of my mind of what that would, that would be like, it's a pretty cool effect. It is. So. It's done really well. Uh, Cause the, the, the way the vehicle moves time with the screen really gives that sensation of floating just for a second before going down. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's timed so well. Uh, and I can't, you know, just having to sit there cause I know WDI had to ride that thing hundreds and hundreds of times to time it <laughs> the screen. God bless them. I'd heard stories of them having um, uh, like all manner of like uh, sodas and stuff and, and saltines because they were getting ill from having to time it constantly. Like they would do a few and then have to get off and take a break and then go back and do some more. Wow. Uh, but to get it timed perfectly or even the bouncing of it to, you know, and having the screen move so that the eye line and the perspective doesn't change. Uh, mm-hmm. It's so good but the Groot one is a is a good one because you get that really quick moment and then you go down yeah yeah that was one thing i could never do um or could this one thing i could never do on uh as as an imagineer is (laughs) test out thrill rides (laughs) like that to try to get them just right i'll i'll do one test just to see how it is but i cannot do it over and over and over and over again um (laughs) Speaking of things that I can't do, I'll go to one on my backup list. So uh, I, have, I have a few more on my primary list, but I, I, I am going to have to go to backups at some point. So uh, I, I could never do Mission Space. I don't think I'll ever be able to do Mission Space, but I appreciate the liftoff sequence of Mission Space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really, again, I think that Walt Disney Imagineering often will combine two existing ideas or three existing ideas and sort of mash them into one. And mission space is essentially you take a Gravitron and you take a motion simulator and you, you know, not, not a traditional motion simulator, but you take that concept and you merge it into one attraction experience. Um, And from the way I know it works again, I haven't uh, experienced it in person. So I, I can't attest to the, the magnitude of the illusion itself and, and how you feel in the moment, but uh, the fact that it sort of tilts you on your back a little bit <clears throat> to one, give you the sense that you are looking up into space, blasting off, but two, it actually adds to the, uh, to the gravitational pull up against the wall. Cause now you have already gravity working against you um, and then spinning on top of that. It really, <laughs> makes pushes you to the back of your seat, makes you feel like you're lifting off, 
But what I love about the secondary reason that they did that was to then transition into weightlessness, where then they have the vehicle slowly tilt forward um, as it's as it slows and stops its spin, and now you feel like you're almost weightless um, because mm-hmm. you had all this gravity working against you, and now you're sort of put mm-hmm. into the opposite uh, the opposite gravitational force. Um, not exact opposite, but <laughs> that that whole that whole uh, concept of making it feel like you've just launched into space and for something that was built, you know, almost 20 years ago, I I think it's a a pretty convincing effect. And just about everybody who I know who's done it before, um, one says it's incredibly intense, but two talks about how amazing that, that feeling is. No, it's it's, really is incredible. It's it's granted none of us have been to space, but I imagine, (laughs) uh, I imagine it's gotta be something like that, that, like you're getting pushed back into your seat along with the video and the sound effects, like uh, taking something that, like you said, could have very easily just been some kind of like a, just a, like you said, a Gravitron spinner at a fair or at a, uh, you know, a carnival, but now atti- attaching his entire story to it with um, flight to space um, along with the other special effects, like makes it something so much more than what it, what the basis of it, you know, was intended for, you could say. Right. Yeah. It's also, I, I enjoy that it comes from the same place of sort of taping different pieces of technology together in a way that only WDI does. Um, it, it makes me think of the, uh, the skate pod sequence in Rise. And there's this great interview with Scott Trowbridge where he goes, yeah, we had a trackless vehicle. And I was like, can we drive it into a motion simulator? And he's like, <laughs> and then can we put that motion simulator on a drop tower? And you're just like, okay, because yeah, everyone thinks this way. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, we'll have to talk about that one. I'm sure that'll come up at some point. Yeah. <laughs> actually, Randy, was that on your list? Uh, it actually wasn't. I feel like my list is the tour of things. Like, I, I tried to go obscure a little bit. Uh, the I tour love of that. things people probably haven't done. <laughs> well, one of us will bring it back to the escape pod. So why don't you go to that? <laughs> What's next on your list? Um, let's see here. Uh, I'll go out to, uh, to Disney World for one. And I have to say... This is a pretty subtle effect, but in Journey into the Imagination, um, the butterfly that's in a cage that disappears to me is one of the most perfectly presented effects. Um, you know, it's it, as you're going through the ride, there's a butterfly that's in a cage. As your vehicle goes by the cage, you see the butterfly very visually disappear out of the cage. Um, and, you know, it's not presented as a big thing. It's more of that subtle, like if you if you weren't watching or if you looked back and you weren't paying close enough attention, you'd be like, wait, I think there was a butterfly there a minute ago. <laughs> um, and it's it's one of those things where I, I really enjoy that sort of, you know, hey, we're not being fancy. We're not calling attention to it. Um, and it's just, it's done so well in such a whimsical ride. Uh, I will say I, I don't really care for the version of it that they put in Disneyland's Pirates of the Caribbean. I was going to um, ask. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I just, I don't feel like it's executed as well. I understand that they were looking to bridge the skeletons coming back to life story aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, it feels a little forced and it also is very much your attention is drawn directly to the effect. And if you're paying too much attention, you see exactly how it works as opposed to, Oh, there's a butterfly in the cage that's sort of in the upper periphery of my vision. Wait, there's no butterfly anymore. What happened, guys? Um, you know, it's it's almost like by calling attention to it, you make the effect a little worse. Yeah, that's true. Like it, it, it the room is dark and it forces you to look at that space 
with the pirate and the octopus there. Like there's nothing else. So it, it makes it more, uh, cause I've had people like branch out. Oh, I think it's like, I think it's a mirror or they, they are trying to figure it out as opposed to if they had put that even a little bit farther forward into the battle scene, like off to the left, your attention would be drawn to so much more. And then the only every other person would casually notice the pirate disappearing in the corner because the room now is the, you know, it's this expansive like battle sequence, you know, whatnot. Yeah. And it's really interesting to think too, that you could take the exact same illusion and drop it into, you know, some highly whimsical sea ticket like journey in the imagination Mm -hmm. and try to use the same thing. And, you know, I mean, the granddaddy of them all pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's true i always love that effect i i love doing journey into imagination it's uh, i don't think i do it every time i go to epcot but i'd say probably every other time at the very least i i do that attraction i also have very fond memories of the original i know some people are upset with the existing version and you know think it's not it, it isn't what it was but i still i still enjoy it i still think it has the same sort of appeal to it um as it did so i went on it for the first time in november what did you think <laughs> um i don't know <laughs> <laughs> the long pause yeah. at everything <laughs> <laughs> it just was kind of replaying in my mind and i was like huh <laughs> it's it's the uh the to randy's point kind of like the sea ticket or the 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 non e-ticket dark ride in uh, in Epcot. It's there mm-hmm. to. I think it, it was at one point a, a bit of a bigger star in the park, um, mm-hmm. and I do think they're going to do something with it in the future. But for now, I just appreciate its roots. So, and it never has much of a wait. It's a great way to beat the AC and or sorry, beat the heat in the AC in the middle of a, a hot Orlando summer. So that's uh, true. I, yeah, I, I could see that. like enjoying it, like just going there for fun every now and then. Um, Well, James, let's go to you. What's the next on your list? Alrighty. Uh, Let me look at my list for that. Um, (laughs) Consult the list. (laughs) I'm going to go with on the terrifying adventures of Snow White. Um, When the evil queen turns around, that scares me so bad because (laughs) I mean, it's just, yeah, it's probably the scariest thing in any Disney park. That was next on my list. <laughs> it's, I think I wrote it for the first time in a couple of years, uh, maybe last summer. And I just wasn't expecting it. And I'm still suffering. That ride terrified me as a kid. <laughs> it terrifies me now. I think it, I think it was on par with the, uh, extraterrestrial alien encounter in terms of level of fear. <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad, but it was, um, I, it did scare me as a kid. It was, I was realistically more on par with the Haunted Mansion for me. Um, mm. There was uh, but I actually think, you know, the Haunted Mansion is scary approaching. And then once you're inside and experiencing it, you're like, Oh, this isn't so bad. Yeah. Snow White scary adventures has the opposite effect. You approach it. You're thinking <laughs> it's snow white. I know it says yeah. scary adventures, but it's snow white. So it's gotta be fun. And and uh, <laughs> just like a fun time. And then you go and experience it. And you're like, this is a terrifying attraction. <laughs> it really is. Uh, I know <laughs> they're making it less scary, but I hope that they keep that. Cause that is it's true, yeah. just an absolutely incredible transition for, you know, the, the queen hag sort of transformation that happens yeah. right in front of you. Ugh. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's good though. Yeah. Um, well, great answer. Thank you. Philander, how about you? I think you're next up. Um, this one I added, I'm glad I added it because uh, Randy brought up the, um, the marriage of multiple, um, multiple illusions together. And the one I picked was, is from Rise Resistance. with that, we close out episode 84 of the Imagineer podcast and part one of our discussion of our favorite illusions from Walt Disney Imagineering. Don't worry, you just have another week to wait before part two, or if you're listening back to this after it has already been published, of course, you can go right on ahead to the next episode of the show. I want to give a very special thank you to James, Philander, and Randy for lending their ideas and their opinions and uh, their enthusiasm to this podcast episode. And because it's just part one, we have a few illusions left to discuss. My question for you today is actually about the illusions we already have discussed. Of the illusions that were mentioned, which of them is your favorite? Which do you absolutely love the most? You can send me your feedback in many different ways. As always, you can reach out to me and connect with Imagine Your Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast, on Twitter at Imagineer News, and you can also discuss this topic not just with me, but with other members of the Imagineer Podcast community by joining our Facebook group, which is the Imagination, also called the Imagineer Disney Fan Community, or you can send me an email at imagineerpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't already subscribe to the show, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button, whether you're listening in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or any other podcast app, and that way you are the first to know when new podcast episodes become available. I occasionally sneak in some bonus episodes, so worth subscribing at least for that. And if you have 30 to 60 seconds, I would love if you would take a moment to leave us a rating and a review in the Apple Podcast Store. We have about 400 five-star reviews at this point, thanks to all of you, and I can't even tell you what that does for us in the long run when it comes to uh, not only spreading the word about Imagine Your Podcast, but also letting others know who might stumble upon the podcast that this is something worth listening to, which I certainly hope it is. So I would love you leaving a rating and a review. And of course, if there's anything I can do to make this community even better for all of you, definitely reach out to me in a direct message or an email. I do read each and every message I receive personally and do my best to respond to every single one of them. So if you do have any ideas for ways to make the show even better in the community, even better for you, just reach out to me and let me know. One of the best things you can do for Imagine Your Podcast, though, is to share it. Whether you share out this episode or any other episode of the show or the podcast as a whole or your favorite uh, piece of content on our social media pages, whether you share that out on uh, social media or in a direct message to somebody else or a text message or just talk about it with your friends, anything you do to share Imagine Your Podcast does so much to help our community continue to grow. And if you would like to take your love of Imagine Your Podcast to the next 
next level, definitely look into the Imagineer Society over at patreon.com slash Imagineer Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Essentially, that's a place where you can help to support the show financially, leave the lights on or help us keep the lights on for Imagineer Podcast with all of our show-related expenses. And in return, you get perks and benefits, even starting at just $1 a month. Of course, the more you contribute, the more perks and rewards you get. But perks include things like early access to every podcast episode, access to a private Facebook group, my close friends list on Instagram, a uh, monthly Q&A that I do just for Imagineer Society members, uh, monthly video calls, bonus podcast episodes, and so much more. You can learn all about it by going to patreon.com slash Imagineer Podcast. And thanks as always to all of our Imagineer Society members. And be sure to check out our partners. First, definitely look at The Kingdom Insider over at thekingdominsider.com because Christy has so much incredible information to share. She shares a lot of time and relevant news. I feel like she's been working harder than ever writing so many articles about what's been happening at Disney and does everything with such journalistic ethics. She shares only accurate news that has been confirmed by Disney. If it's not confirmed, she makes it very clear that it's just a rumor and there's nothing official yet. Um, And more than that, has a lot of great tips and tricks to share about traveling to Disney and about bringing the magic of Disney into your own home. So check her out at thekingdominsider.com and the Kingdom Insider on all social media channels. And the next time you're ready to book your next Disney vacation, whether that's to Walt Disney World or Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, Alani, or any other Disney destination, look into Academy Travel. Um, It's a partner that I have because they are diamond earmarked. It is the highest level of distinction that Disney bestows upon travel agencies. They are the number one uh, travel agency when it comes to booking Disney vacations here in the US. And they've been doing this for over 25 years. The best part for you as they provide an incredible level of service and helping you to plan out your next Disney vacation, which now is more complicated than ever. And they do it all at no extra cost to you. Uh, They provide an incredible level of service and again, can even in some cases help you to save money on your next Disney vacation. So the easiest way to get a free quote, no obligation, is to click on any of the travel quote links in the show notes of this episode or to go to imagineerpodcast.com Click on the travel drop down and click on any of those destinations you see that'll take you right to the form to fill out and they will get back to you with, again, a free quote, no obligation. And last but not least, I hope you are doing everything you can to go after your dreams and your goals, no matter what they are, professional goals, personal goals, take the steps, take the actions to make those dreams a reality. Life is too short to sit around and think about what if. Go ahead and make that happen. You'll never believe what can happen when you just start to take those actions to make those dreams come true. And remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons. If you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. Imagineer Podcast.